we do this practice following along these kind of indications of the path that are uh, left for us in these ancient teachings. Sometimes they feels like trails of breadcrumbs. And I think um, we'll see as we go through this simile of the cloth that there are little steps along the way that we're encouraged to notice. And it may not seem obvious at first why that is, but then uh, we start to sense that there's an arc unfolding. So this one starts out a little starkly with this sense of defilements of the mind like a stained cloth and the need to for purification. Um, but I want us to kind of overlook that particular language and think more in terms of attunement. There's some way that we can attune our minds and hearts so that we take in the Dharma in a way that is helpful. Take the dye evenly, as we, as is said about the cloth. And so that actually begins with noticing the ways in which the cloth has some stains on it, and then we're going to do things to um, eliminate those, or at least reduce them. So we have to see these 16 so-called imperfections of the mind, and in doing so, the next thing that leads to is confidence or faith, you know, the sense that we can intuit that there's a path, that there's a way to um, make the mind and heart more like this white cloth that is uh, implied here. And so turning toward the issues of the mind and the heart are the way to do that. That the turning inward is the way to get out, in a sense. So we then understand by looking at these qualities of mind that we have released them in part, even if it's just a small part. But you can reflect, for example, right now, how is your mind after this day of practice? Has anything that might have been difficult been at least loosened in the mind, or at least seen more clearly, somehow made lighter in a certain way? Now I know that sometimes a day of practice brings up things, and so we may have seen some things that um, we didn't want to see necessarily, but I, I can say with complete confidence that it's much better to see them than not. Uh, they were there anyway, in a sense, under this, under the surface, and so, you know, when we see them, then we're already, we've already slightly released them. So it's so important to bring this understanding to our mind now and then, this cognizance that seeing um, challenges is the way forward, and that as soon as we've seen them, we have some confidence that we are working with them, we've engaged them. So, um, I think also of a story, um, I've told it before, but it's such a good one, that one time on a long retreat, uh, one of the teachers, this was like a several month retreat, and some, somewhere near, past the halfway point, the, uh, one of the teachers asked the group, so how many of you uh, think that most of the time your mind is in a wholesome state? I mean, these are people who have been on retreat for weeks at this point. And there was a 
there were maybe 80 people in the hall and she asked this and probably only eight or nine people cautiously put their hand up about their mind always often being in a wholesome state and she said yeah I thought I thought it would probably come out like that you know because everyone's working with all the stuff that comes up and on, on meditation retreats but then she very gently reminded us that mindfulness is a wholesome state and so of course we're not always mindful but after several weeks of retreat one gets pretty mindful and she reminded us that it's not what we're seeing with mindfulness but the fact that we're mindful makes the mind in a wholesome state it's already uh, cleared of the defilement of (laughs) non-awareness so um, I hope you find some encouragement in this in a sense so this gives us some confidence that Dharma practice works, you know, that it brings about immediate effects of seeing what's going on for us. And so what is this, you know, what do we have confidence in? Well, it's just as we stated for ourselves earlier, um, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and our path, which are things that are essentially named in this sutta. And it literally says, this person acquires unwavering confidence in the Buddha upon seeing that they have released these imperfections in my, of mind in part, and the same for Dhamma and Sangha. And the whole thing is about our path. So we have this, um, this confidence. And then it goes on. That's not the end. So it goes on to say that there's joy after we have decided that this practice is worthwhile, we have some confidence that it's going in a good direction. And what it says is, when a practitioner has given up, expelled, released, abandoned, and relinquished the imperfections of mind in part, one considers this, I am engaged, I am possessed of unwavering confidence in the Buddha, and one gains inspiration in the meaning gains inspiration in the Dhamma, gains gladness connected with the Dhamma. So there is this sense of inspiration, which could be another word for the the faith or the confidence, and then gains gladness connected with the Dhamma. So there's a way that understanding that we're engaged in Dharma practice brings about a certain gladness Again, regardless of whether what we're seeing is challenging and we're seeing that our life has some difficulties or that we're seeing the same old habits in the mind that we've seen before, there can still be a sense of gladness. I want to point out that this, um, these good qualities start to arise based on the absence of unwholesome qualities. It may seem like a subtle point why is Kim belaboring this, but it says that when we realize that we have abandoned certain things in part, we've let go a little bit of something, that sense that it's not there, the absence of a certain quality that we know we've let go of, that is what brings the joy. And I'm belaboring this because it's important that we pay attention to the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion in its various forms. Usually, 
we're taught to pay attention to what's present and that's what mindfulness is about and I'm all for that I've been emphasizing that all day and yet there's this other side to the Dharma where we notice what is absent we notice that certain unwholesome qualities or certain difficulties or certain harmful tendencies are at least at this moment not present and that is also a source of gladness Thich Nhat Hanh said, have you been grateful for your non-toothache today? So, I don't know, my apologies if anybody actually does have a toothache today, but if you don't, um, you might have noticed, or maybe you didn't, that you don't have pain there. And so in the same way, we can notice that we're not, for example, at this moment, we're probably not overcome with just rage and hatred, probably, uh, based on what we've been doing so you can appreciate that the mind is not in a state of anger or hatred that's actually pretty nice isn't it not to have that so we can start to appreciate these absences Um, normally we just rush on to the next thing that's present but we can also linger in the absence of difficulties so this brings a certain kind of rest we can rest in this goodness of heart, goodness of mind, to whatever degree it's present, even if there are still a few, you know, glitches on our cloth, we can see the white instead of the the stains, or however one frames that. So when, um, when the mind is in this state of kind of openness to what's going on, we see, yes, there are some of these 16 defilements, but we see also that there are reduced and that certain things are absent, then that is when the the heart and mind, the citta, can begin to develop. Um, It starts to uh, strengthen and cultivate. Those are the conditions for it to grow and move along the path. And in particular, um, this sutta emphasizes that the mind becomes tranquil and it becomes gathered in a certain way. Uh, It starts to Um, draw in toward itself and realize its own goodness and that in itself is a form of samadhi and we might think of that's concentration often translated as concentration and we might think of concentration as some kind of a high mental attainment that we don't get to on the cushion very often but really um, the roots of the word samadhi the sort of general term are really just that the mind is gathered, gathered on itself, settled on itself, the heart feels happy and confident in its practice, even if it knows there are still some difficulties. So we're aiming toward this sense of clarity that we're walking the path, and that brings this kind of joy and concentration. So, for such a person, the sutta goes on. It says that even if you know if we have a basis of virtue, which we do from the precepts, a basis of some kind of mental stability, like we've developed through our practice today, and some kind of wisdom, such as seeing clearly that certain things are present that are wholesome and certain things are absent that are unwholesome, that's a form of wisdom. So just on that basis alone, The sutta says that even if we have um, pleasures in our life, they won't be an obstacle. 
I think it's a nice little thing to insert in the middle of a sutta about the path. So what it says actually is um, that if such a practitioner eats alms food consisting of choice hill rice with various sauces and curries, even that will not be an obstacle. So you can have a nice dinner tonight and it won't um, affect the quality of your heart as long as we have this basis of virtue, of our ethical intentions, of a sense of mindfulness and clarity about our practice and willingness to be open and okay with our mind and heart as they are, knowing that we're walking the path. Then you can have these pleasures and they're not obstacles. They become obstacles, of course, if we grasp them or if we get arrogant about them, but if we avoid these 16 qualities, um, we should be fine. So this is great for us lay people um, and doing our sandwich retreat. You can have the best sandwich and it won't be any obstacle. So I recommend that. So then the great thing after that is that the sutta goes on to say that the natural thing for a mind that is in this state of um, you know, relative goodness is to cultivate the four brahma-viharas, the four heart qualities. Um, that that would be kind of the next natural focus. And that's going to be our focus during the um, four weekdays that are coming up after this. And um, the heart qualities are metta, um, goodwill, and also uh, karuna, um, compassion, and appreciative joy, mudita, and equanimity, upekka. So those um, are the qualities of connection, of relational harmony that we have in our life. And so this is the beginning of this harmony that is in the title of the retreat, Heart and Mind in Harmony. So heart and mind work together. We cultivate mindfulness and seeing clearly and knowing when there's wholesome and unwholesome. Those are all kind of qualities of wisdom. And then we bring in these warm heart qualities and combine them. And that provides a very powerful um, protection of the heart and development of it to a kind of strength so that it will be able to find genuine freedom. So we see the path happening. We see the mind getting purified, if you will, of these stains, but also getting attuned to the Dharma through these qualities of heart and mind. I would say that without the heart opening, the mind cannot develop. And without the mind developing, the heart cannot open. So as much as we want one or the other, we're going to need to have both and probably to do them together in tandem, which is what we'll be doing this week. So when these are in harmony, then we have that attunement to the Dharma and it can infuse the heart and um, we can take it in deeply. All of this is made possible by the gradual reduction of greed, hatred, and delusion, the difficulties in the mind. In fact, we might say these are the things that obscure the heart and the mind. So bringing in the images we've looked at, these are the visiting defilements that come in and maybe obscure the natural light and clarity of the mind. And there are also the stains that kind of 
tarnish the um, purity of the white cloth that we're, we've been working with. So two images that kind of are in harmony, coordinate with each other. And during this week, we'll be exploring what it's like to uh, work with the natural difficulties of the mind and the ability to see them and open the heart. We'll see how those go together to add a certain amount of strength. So maybe I'll close with this verse from the Dhammapada. Not doing what is harmful, undertaking what is good, purifying one's mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. It's very simple. Not doing what's harmful, undertaking what is good, and purifying one's mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. So we can carry this into our daily life. All of these things are things that we can do moment to moment, day to day, simple acts of kindness, of ethics, of samadhi, of wisdom, and of the hard qualities.